Hey there, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. All right, thank you all so much for being with us tonight, Oxano. We are wrapping up a three-week series called One Another. And so if you've been with us the past two weeks, uh, on the 14th, Cole preached on love one another. Last week, Brad Gowing, our executive pastor, preached on be at peace with one another. And when I was thinking about recapping this series, this um, kind of like kitschy tourist souvenir thing like came to my mind of like, you ever seen the t-shirts that say like, peace, love, and then like maybe whatever city you're visiting or like, our, like for whatever reason, this one stands out, peace, love, and Joe's Crab Shack. Um, I grew up <laughs> on 280, like uh, near Joe's Crab Shack. I remember seeing that. Um, but tonight we're gonna be talking about bearing one another, uh, bearing, excuse me, um, bearing one another's burdens. And so uh, I, I got a little drawn offside here because I did a little bit of a Google search and just started it with, peace, love, and like to see what the results came up with. We had uh, peace, love, and rock and roll, peace, love, and animals, peace, love, and little donuts, peace, love, and juicy couture. Did I say that right? I think that's a perfume. Peace, love, and joy. Um, but I, I present to you tonight, peace, love, and bear one another's burdens. Unfortunately, we don't have a teddy bear giveaway like we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know if we'll ever be doing that again. Um, but uh, <laughs> y'all go ahead, go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter five if you're not there already. So as you heard Pharaoh reading scripture, uh, there's a lot of things that are going on in the church at Galatia. Um, you know, some things you maybe like, uh, you know, clutch your pearls a little bit. They would be read in a church setting. But hey, this is, this is the word of the Lord. These are the things. Paul is speaking very plainly about the things that's going on at, in the church in Galatia. And so um, when we look back at the, the church in the New Testament, uh, we see some things that could also be going on in our culture and, and uh, our church context and, and maybe some things that, that seem a little bit detached. But the goal of this series and looking at the one another passages, I mean, we, we couldn't realistically look at all of them because there are a hundred instances in the New Testament where we have instruction on how to live in community with one another, how we should relate to each other as brother and sister in Christ. But what I hope in hearing from God's word and, and us studying this together, that a light bulb would go off in your head every time you're reading through an epistle in the New Testament, uh, a letter in the, in the New Testament that says one another, right? And you say, okay, this is for me. This is how I'm to relate to other people in the body of Christ, right? And, and I'm gonna explain why it's important. But going on in the church at Galatia, we have this feud between two factions of people. We have the libertines and we have the legalists, right? In other words, we have people who want to uh, kind of abuse their freedom in Christ and live however, and just say, you know, I'm, I'm covered. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I believe what you're saying, but uh, in their life, they're, they're, you know, applying this way too liberally. Right? And then you've got people uh, who are legalists, who are, are wanting, hold, wanting to hold people to the full extent of the law. Right? And, and uh, we also 
hear them referred to as Judaizers, right, in the, in the New Testament. So these are people that are, are not letting go of elements of the law that Christ has set us free from, right? And so um, we have a cheap freedom on one side and then we have no freedom on the other side. And so Paul has this to say, he says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So y'all probably heard me before get on my soapbox about having main character energy, right? Like being conceited is like the epitome of that. Like everything that happens in your life uh, is like a personal uh, attack or target on you. Um, things that don't work out for you or that, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, and, and everything revolves around the locus and um, the altar of you, right? And, and that's what it means to be conceited, only thinking about how everything impacts you. And then it says, do not provoke or envy one another. And we, we might have some synonyms for this and talking about uh, people displaying this of like, uh, it might be, you know, describing it as like, this person is petty or this person is causing drama or being toxic. I've heard that one thrown around. I know that no one here in the room tonight is any of those things, but you might know somebody who is, right? Everybody? Yes? Okay. Um, we'll, we'll talk about self-awareness later. But... <laughs> Starting in verse six, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then test his reason to boast, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So when Paul says, you who are spiritual, he's, he's, he's not um, bestowing some office or spiritual superiority on somebody. He's actually uh, using a, a phrase and a term that would have been familiar to the church at Galatia because he's referring to one side of the argument that I told you guys about. Um, and so he's, he's speaking directly into the drama that's happening in the Galatian church. And one of the factions uh, were likely referred to themselves as the spiritual party. And so I already know which side of the debate I'm gonna be on, right? Um, if people are calling themselves the spiritual ones, um, you know, that, that sounds pretty conceited, right? Um, and, and here's what I think the, the admonition for us from this is, is that we should not take someone's sin that we know about as leverage for self-righteousness. We shouldn't take someone's sin that we know about as leverage for self-righteousness. So if we know about a brother or sister who is um, in error, who is not walking with the Lord, shouldn't take that as an opportunity for comparison to say, well, at least I'm not like such and such. Right? At least I'm not doing the things that they're doing. Like, yeah, I've got my own stuff, but at least I'm not as bad off as this person, right? This is the type of um, really toxic things that are going on in the church of Galatia. And so I think that especially in a place in a context where outwardly living our faith and our Christian identity is like something that's cool, we can 
start to look down on people or we can start to put on this facade of like, I've got it all figured out. Like, I'm, I'm, at least I'm not like this person. Or I don't participate in these type of activities. And uh, scripture is, um, and, and Paul is, is warning us away from that type of mentality. Right, that, that God's favor never rests on the self-righteous or the entitled. So he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is the, the law of Christ? That sounds like something really, really weighty, like a big deal, like something that we should be paying attention to. In John chapter 13, uh, verse 34, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, a new commandment that I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, you must also love one another. So earlier in this passage, Paul does refer to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That, that Jesus sums up the law on our disposition of loving others as he has loved us. Now think about that. That is much more than just, you know, treating someone the way you wanna be treated, right? Loving someone as Christ loved us it's sacrificial, it's emptying, right? We, we read in, in Philippians where it talks about how Christ uh, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took on uh, the likeness of a servant and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That Jesus, the son of God in all of glory, the eternal son would condescend to our likeness and would go to a criminal's cross on our behalf. That is the, the humiliation, the, the love that Christ has for us and, and what he calls us to as his followers, right? The, the true discipleship is picking up our cross and following after him. And so this is this radical way of life that we are called to if we're gonna fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Galatia was the cultural deep south of the Roman empire. Galatians is actually kind of a, a slight put down on uh, the way that they talked, right? This, this was a group of Celtic people and uh, they didn't speak Greek and Latin as well as other parts of the Roman empire, right? Being from Alabama, I feel like we can relate to that, right? They're like other parts of the country look and be like, you know, uh, they, they hear the way I, that we talk or maybe you travel somewhere and, and somebody's like, Oh, you're from, you're from down south, aren't you, hon? You know, and um, you know, if some of you are, have moved here to Birmingham, you, you pick up on that really quickly, right? That um, we talk a little, bit, a little bit slower or maybe uh, in the words of uh, Morgan Wallen that uh, we got some words down here that you never heard unless you're from down under, but the man upstairs gets it. So they weren't trying to fix it, right? That's my, uh, my toxic trait, I have to confess to y'all. Uh, my Spotify rap to this year, Morgan Wallen was my number one artist. Um, songs we sing from Oxano is a close second, but um, <laughs> I mean, that guy could just like sing the phone book and I would wanna listen to it because that rasp in his voice, you know? I mean, I, I don't like espouse any of his personal choices or, or even uh, the message of his uh, music all that much, but um, man, he, uh, you know, puts on a great soundtrack. He sounds great. Um, so the, the folks of Galatia would have, um, they would have really understood and related to the story that I'm about to share with you guys, um, being folks from the deep South. And so, um, 
when I was in school, uh, you know, a decade ago, I, uh, my, my friends and I, it, it had kind of been a February, like the one we just experienced. It was very rainy and dreary out and, and cold. And uh, we were just like looking for the first opportunity to get out and do something. We you know, had some pent up energy um, and no frontal lobes uh, to, to speak of. And so um, <laughs> my buddy just got his four wheel drive truck out of the shop and we were like, let's go find a mud hole. All right, roll tide. Uh, and so, um, we decided we wanted to live out our best Brad Paisley adventure and go get some mud on the tires. And we drive about 45 minutes south of town and um, find this, this mud bogging spot. If you're, if you're like not from Alabama, this is gonna just sound so foreign to you. Um, but there's just something really exhilarating about like just tearing through a mud hole, right? And we get to one in particular where this like whole like redneck regiment of folks are like gathered around and they're watching different people take turns, drive through it. And y'all, there's this Tacoma that is like amphibious. I mean, it's probably got like, you know, a four, four cylinder engine. It doesn't have any horsepower to speak of. Man, that thing is just like floating through the water. Like Sam Chance, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, your, your truck's way too nice to do this with though. Um, it's probably true of my buddies too. And so we uh, get up and it's like, uh, you know, kind of our turn to, to go in. And um, we're definitely envying this, this Tacoma and how they're driving through the water. And then here's where the part of being provoked comes in. Cause you know, we read earlier about uh, do not envy one another and do not be provoked or do not provoke one another. So my buddy Trey, who's sitting shotgun uh, turns to uh, my buddy Tyler, who's driving. He's like, you're a wuss if you don't drive through there. And naturally, like Tyler's whole manhood is at stake if he doesn't try to go through here, even though like he just got his truck out of the shop and his dad had paid a lot to get it repaired. And so here we go, we tear off into the mud hole and we get into the middle of it and Tyler realized he didn't switch it into four-wheel drive low. We were still in two-wheel drive. And so his like loud exhaust pipe is like, blah, 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 is all of a sudden like underwater and we're, we're gargling. Blah, 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 blah. Trey's a mechanical engineer. He's like, you know, if your engine cuts off, like your water's gonna flood in and like your truck's totaled. And so we're like on the verge of making a really expensive mistake. And all of the guys who were like standing around watching us uh, decide like one by one to kind of peel off because they don't want any part in this. Right, and so all of a sudden we're alone. Yeah, you, you guys see the picture up here. I pulled this picture off of Instagram. What I wanna tell you all about Instagram from a decade ago is one, we put really terrible filters on pictures. That was like the cool thing to do. And we put like a frame around it. I think uh, Kara actually edited that out. Um, so, so thank you for that. But that's just how cringeworthy like Instagram was in its inception, you know. Uh, now it just like alters your brain chemistry and stuff, you know. But um, so we're, we're like gargling water. We're like trying to, trying to keep it running and idling. We've got guys in the back of the truck. We're like jumping up and down and trying to get some traction. And it's just sinking us in deeper and deeper and deeper. And so I pull out my phone and I just start going through my contacts. And I'm like, who's somebody I can call on in this situation? And I think about a guy that I hadn't talked to in years, but we were in youth group together and he had a Ford Bronco that like came up to like my forehead. I don't know, even know how he climbed up into it. He had it, he had it jacked up so high. And I called Corey just out of the blue. And I said, hey man, we are stuck in a mud hole in Maylene. He's like, 
He asked me to describe a few landmarks. He's like, I'll be there in 45 minutes. He's like, this is the kind of guy he is, right? Um, and he you know, might not know a whole lot about math or science, but he knows a mud hole. <laughs> and y'all, Corey, Corey comes hauling uh, through there and like we hear him long before we see him. Right? <laughs> He's coming wide open uh, to, to come and save the day. And um, he uh, pulls up pulls out a, a towing strap and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how he's always equipped for a situation like this, but he ties off to the front of our truck. Uh, and, you know, we're like kind of, you know, probably waist deep in this muddy water trying to get all this going. And uh, Corey's like, oh, this would be no problem at all. So he gets to going and he's sort of, you know, sliding back and forth and um, we're not budging at all. I mean, this is like, this is uh what, what the guys who were hanging right around in the mud hole, they call that peanut butter mud. And so we're stuck. And then Corey's stuck too. So yeah, just pure hearted Corey who came to help us out. He's, he's stuck in the middle of it too. And so when, when Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, that's Corey, right? He came, he came in there and he got wrapped up in this situation that he had nothing to do with other than he was trying to be a good friend to me. So then we get on the phone, we start considering our options and we call AAA. I don't even think they come out to the, somewhere this remote. We finally get a hold of these guys through just a network of um, people that uh, you know, um, are, live in the outermost parts of our state. And we have Dylan and Dylan who show up. And Dylan and Dylan, they're hefty fellas. And they are in a truck that is smaller than the one that we're in. We're like, no way these guys are gonna help us out. Dylan gets out of the truck. Other Dylan gets out of the truck. He goes, I'm here for business, not for pleasure. Who's paying? Faster I get you out of this mud hole, sooner I can get home to sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. Not making this up. <laughs> so we like, we like rub our four pennies together. We give them, you know, whatever cash we had on hand. Sure enough, these guys like fire it up. And we've got this whole train of, of uh, cars that are connected by towing straps and chains. It is just an OSHA hazard all together. Um, and like his wheels are spinning and tires spinning. I'm like in, in this dry grass. And I was like, man, am I about to watch, uh, you know, this whole thing go up in flames? And I look over to my right and y'all back behind the truck, you can see this. There's a giant sign that says no smoking in all caps because there's a natural gas rig right there. I was like, oh my gosh, like this whole thing's gonna combust. <laughs> it was just, you know, we start, we start praying to God to deliver us from this. And little bit by little bit, uh, sure enough, I guess it was the, you know, how they were waiting down that truck because those tires were bald on this truck. Um, but man, they, they finally get us up out of there and, and get us out of the situation. And, you know, Dylan and Dylan saved the day. And so um, when, when I think about that story, I, I think about Psalm 40, verse two, it says that he, talking about God, drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So when we think about bearing one another's burdens, think about um, stepping in and interceding for people that are caught in transgression. Will you be like my friend, Corey? Will you, will you have the heart to say like, man, I have genuine concern for my friend that's caught in this, right? 
Hopefully you won't be like Dylan who tried to profit on the situation. Um, actually addresses this in, in verse five, says, for each will have to bear his own load. It says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So uh, Paul has this kind of compensation sidebar, right? That um, apparently there's some disagreement on who's getting paid and who's not getting paid. So we got some Dylan and Dylans in the church at Galatia. Verse seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap uh, from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So a couple of weeks ago when we were going through Ecclesiastes, I'd reference us back to the story in Genesis four about Cain and Abel. And uh, Cain was a worker of the ground. Abel was a shepherd. And when they brought to bring their sacrifices to the Lord, the Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice he rejected Cain's because of his heart. He had envy and hatred in his heart for his brother. And God warned him, he said, sin is crouching at your door, seeking to devour you. And we know that Cain rose up on his brother and killed him. And, and then God seeks out Cain and confronts him and says, where's your brother Abel? And Cain responds and says, am I my brother's keeper? Like, is it, is it my prerogative to know what my brother's up to? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for him? And the resounding answer there is yes. Yes, you were your brother's keeper. Are, are we our brothers and sisters keeper in the family and the community of God? Absolutely we are. So if we have envy and hatred in our heart, then we are repeating the sin of Cain. We're called to have love for one another as Cole preached on. We're called to not envy one another. We're called to not provoke one another. And so he continues this imagery on cultivating, right? That, that um, we are to, to cultivate in a better way than Cain, right? He says, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And so my, my point there is that relationships take cultivation, right? Like dealing with other people, like my mud bogging story, it can be really messy, right? Cause like we, we all bring like our own junk, our own baggage to friendships and relationships in the context of the body of Christ. but we're called to cultivate relationships with one another. This isn't just a, a place where you show up and you sing the worship songs that you like, you hear the sermons that you like, and then you go home without connecting to anybody else. Right? We, we have life groups and we have village uh, for connecting with other believers. Some of you might feel like, um, yeah, I hear you on bearing one another's burdens, uh, but I really like don't have a ton of time for friendships or I'm in a season of life where like I had to completely start over. Like it's my freshman year. I don't know anybody. 
uh, here. And I just, I, I came completely, uh, you know, with, without having any friends or knowing anybody. Maybe young adults, you're starting your life transition of your career and you're like, man, I'm, I'm working so much. I'm grinding so much in grad school that I don't have time for friendships. I don't have time to put to practice the things that we're talking about tonight because I'm so daggum busy. So uh, the University of Kansas did a study on how to make close friendships and how long it takes. And so they, they concluded in their study that it takes about 50 hours of socializing to go from acquaintance to casual friend, an extra 40 hours to become a quote unquote real friend and 200 hours in total to become a close friend or maybe enduring a traumatic event together um, or uniting around a common enemy. Those seem to be really um, helpful things to building friendships <laughs> or, uh, you know, not everybody gets six weeks on a deserted island uh, with their best friends, right? Um, not everybody gets to hang out and like raise up the Poglandia flag. You know what I'm saying? Um, and relationships, they, they take time and deliberation, right? You have to make a deliberate effort to make friends, right? And, and for you introverts in the room, that's hard to kind of make that first step. You know, some of you like making friends just becomes like, it's a really natural thing for you. It's intuitive, um, but it, it still takes time to invest in others. And when you, when you make this step of getting to know people, what is burdening them will eventually come to the surface, right? Whether that's a sin struggle, whether that is um, something that they're dealing with and walking through that's really dark and difficult and they hadn't let anybody in on, but you spend enough time with people and those things will become evident, right? And so when, when Paul talks about confronting someone in their sin, he says, do it in a spirit of gentleness, right? That we're called to intervene well. So when we confront someone caught in sin, we should be calling them up, not calling them out, right? Um, that, that people rarely respond like well to like, um, being, being called out, right? And, 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 you know, if you have an abrasive personality, this is, this is feedback for you right now. So my wife works in a corporate environment and um, when they do team evaluations or, uh, you know, boss to um, subordinate uh, evaluations annually, uh, they, they use this like really flowery language about weaknesses. I mean, like, everybody wants to hear about their strengths, right? Uh, but they call weaknesses opportunities. And so when I'm at home and uh, Caroline's like, hey, I love that you did the dishes. An opportunity for you is if you would wipe down the counters too, right? So um, there, there's, a, there's a, a good way to go about confrontation, right? There's a, there's a good and Christ-honoring and gentle way to go about confrontation. Maybe, maybe you pose it in the form of a question, right? Like, hey, like, is there something that like you're struggling with that I can, I can pray for you about? Um, here's, here's what, and, and when, when you're the first mover of like, hey, I want to let you know and let you in on something that I'm, I'm dealing with and I'm walking through and like, would you hold me accountable to like work on this? Um, man, those are, those are great entryways, right? Um, and, 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 just for the shock value and um, for the attention that you get for like calling people out online when you, you know, you're behind some like anonymous account or something like that, it doesn't like no real kingdom value, 
right? And, and that's like really popular with guys that are in my line of work. They like love to like the call out culture. They love that. Um, but the like relational investment of like coming along somebody, alongside of somebody and loving them in the way that Christ loves them is not like the, the popular thing to do, right? But I urge you, this is the way of Christ, right? That, um, that he is gentle and lowly in spirit as, as Dane Ortland talks about in his book, right? That, that, that God comes alongside of us and has compassion on us in Christ, so one of the kind of caveats that I will give to bearing burdens, because maybe some of you are hearing this and you're like, man, this sounds like a lot. Um, and I will say some of you probably came in tonight feeling like you are bearing too many burdens, right? That you have given into the need of being needed, right? That, um, you know, gently put, like this is like a, a savior complex that plays itself out in your social life with certain friendships, right? There's only one savior and it's Christ. You, you, you can't be somebody's savior, right? You can point them to Christ, right? But you can't do the heavy lifting of, of lifting their burden the way that Christ can. Now, does Christ give us friendships and people to walk alongside of us and command us to, to love one another in this way? Absolutely. Right, um, but there is a, a boundary and a balance with it, and, and maybe some of you are on the other side of this, and you are offloading too many burdens on on other people, right? Um, and and I, I don't want to prey on your fear of being a burden because I very much struggle with this myself, right? Like um, I don't want to feel like I'm being a burden to somebody, so I'm just going to kind of keep it in and lock it up, right? But both of these things are not good for your soul. It is not good for your soul to bear too many burdens of other people, undue burdens. It's also not good for your soul to offload on somebody else, right? And so the, the way that I would define this in a sentence is that bearing one another's burdens is interdependence, but not codependence. The codependency is the unhealthy reliance that, that breeds disappointment and resentment, right? For, for the person that is like so overly dependent on the other person, like you, that, that person's gonna let you down because they're finite, they're not, they're not God, right? And to the person that is like receiving the brunt of this, like they're, they're gonna begin to resent you. Or maybe you're gonna begin, begin to resent the person that is casting all these burdens on you, right? And like, I, I just constantly need you constantly have these like unrealistic expectations out of our friendship. Always like having like a DTR conversation about our friendship because I feel insecure in it, right? Um, and and I, don't, I don't step on your toes because like I want to be calling anyone out. I want to be calling you up into a healthier way of engagement with one another. So before I make this next reference, uh, who's, who's finished season three of Outer Banks? Oh man, not very many people. Okay, well, I'm just gonna like talk very vaguely then, okay? Um, but if you want like a picture of like a really toxic codependent relationship, look no further than John B. and Sarah Cameron, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just constantly like carrying each other's daddy issues around and making <laughs> terrible decisions, terrible decisions. See, I feel like I can call out fictional characters. You know, <laughs> like that was really savage. But, uh, 
All I want is justice for Pope, okay? I just want justice for Pope. He's my favorite character. Okay, I got some amens, all right? So Paul goes directly into his next point when he says that each will have to bear his own load. And what this means is that we all have the responsibility of self-examination, right? As the spirit who resides in us bears witness from God's word, we must examine ourselves. The Holy Spirit is faithful to give us self-awareness, right? If like, you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't you know, not really tracking with what, what you're saying, like con- continue to dive into God's word. Um, God, will, God will make it plain and evident to us um, th- either uh, through the revealing of his word or through a faithful brother and sister in Christ. And so um, hear me say that we are designed to rely on each other um, and, and this interdependence, right? The, the, the community, this Jesus community that he's called us into, um, Jesus tells us my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I said earlier, he has done the heavy lifting. He is the one who has lifted the weight of sin off of us. It is not, um, doesn't have to be crushing for us, right? But what we know is true about the kingdom of God is that there are already, but not yet realities, right? That, that Christ has already dealt with and, and, and done away with and banished our sin. And it doesn't stand as a testimony against us, but rather when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness and the purity of Christ. But newsflash, we're still gonna deal with sin in this life, right? And so we are, we are carrying along the burden of sin like a ball and chain as we work our way and, 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 and um, live out our uh, salvation with fear and trembling, right? And so... Um, we must give ourselves to one another from an overflow of our relationship with Christ. Otherwise, we have very little that's worthwhile to give. Right, so like if, as, as Paul talked about the, our, our flesh and reaping things of the flesh and talks about the spirit and how the spirit gives birth to eternal life, know that if you're trying to, um, you're trying to bear one another's burdens out of your own strength, you will quickly tire out. You do not have the stamina for that. But Christ in you does. That's the good news, right? That as, as your relational depth and maturity with Christ deepens, that you'll have more of a capacity to love one another and to bear one another's burdens. So I wanna call back to the very beginning of this exhortation. He says, do not be conceited. So much in our lives can come from defeating conceit. One way is that we cannot know the needs of others if we are conceited, right? If like the way I described earlier that everything that you are um, worried about and concerned about is revolved around the altar of you, then you're gonna be completely blind to the needs of others. And so the, the awareness that God gives us is, is through overcoming conceit. And so we can begin to see clearly the needs of others and those around us. The second thing is that we miss opportunities to do good if we are conceited. So the end of this passage says, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
Now the opportunities I'm talking about here are not the opportunities I was talking about uh, earlier. Um, this is opportunities to serve one another. This is opportunities to, um, for, for Christ to be glorified in our relationships. Opportunities to, to stand in the gap for somebody that's in a bad spot, right? And so in conclusion, if what I'm saying tonight is, is not resonating with you, maybe um, you struggle with uh, empathy and compassion for other people. Now, that's a real thing. Some of you might chuckle. Um, but if you, if you are struggling with why does this matter? Like, why should I go through all of the trouble? Jesus says this in John 13, verse 35. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The stakes are no less than Christ's glory to a watching world. There are a lot of ways in our mind that we might think like, this is how I let the world know that I'm a follower and a disciple of Jesus. Right? And so it's, it's not in your, your robust theological language. Um, it's not in the like derivatively Christian tattoo on your arm. Um, it is not from, uh, you know, primarily uh, from even the things that you involve yourself or even being here tonight. Jesus says, you are my disciples if you love one another. And the world will know that. Everyone will know that you're my disciples based on your love for one another. And so let that be our drive and our motivation, right? That, that we would love from an overflow with our relationship with Christ, that we would see opportunities to do good and to serve those in the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We are grateful for how it challenges us, God how it calls us to bear one another's burdens. And I pray tonight, God, that um, we would know that our burdens have been lifted by Christ. But God, we also would acknowledge that you have put people in our, our family and our church community, God, who want to walk with us and have a desire to see your best in our lives. And so God, help us to see those around us. God, help us to... Um, be obedient to where you're calling us to. Yes, it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you're interested in the songs that we sing, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. We'll see you next week.